Well, hello there, and welcome to That Time We Woke Up in a Podcast and Had to Explain Manga, our heated adventures overanalyzing manga that we find interesting, also called the Over Manga Cast. On this very nice episode of the show, we've read Monster Musume, chapters 1 through 17 by Okeado. Content warning ahead in case things get a bit too steamy. Enjoy the episode. Hello everyone, my name is Sam, and welcome back once again to the Over Manga Cast. And as always here at the top of the show, well, we talk about what our familiarity with the franchise we read this week is. I don't know if any of us actually want to, like, admit to that. Do we want to tell on ourselves? <laughs> oh, sure, why not? Uh, so, so, I bought this entire series at a Barnes & Noble because for some reason it was uh, three for the price of one. Okay. And... Due to the nature of this, the volumes were sealed, so I didn't get to read through it first, and I'm just like, what a good deal on manga! And I picked up a large majority of this series. <laughs> I did not know this. And, um, did... What did you do once you opened the package? <laughs> so I'm gonna be completely honest, I think only the first two volumes have ever been opened. <laughs> I now have a bunch of them still sealed, because... I never get rid of anything. That's why I don't buy physical manga anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Matt's familiarity. Uh, mine is I watched like three episodes of the anime. I think up to the point where Centurio was introduced. And I'm like, man, I could just go to the internet and find something way more efficiently than this. And then I didn't watch anymore. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, yeah, now here we are. So, uh, also, fun little side bit, the uh, pilot for the series was a collection of uh, one-shot hentai doujins, in case that wasn't obvious. Uh. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> uh, I believe I had stumbled across those. Stumbled, obviously. Never sought out with intent. <laughs> uh, uh, Jay, what's your experience with uh, Monmu? So, uh, I too would see this quite frequently in my manga seller of choice. Um, physical copies, and it would often be on sale. I I don't know if perhaps I was actually able to find a loose copy of it, but I saw the first first volume, picked it up, and paged through it, and I was just like, I don't know what I expected. Put it back down promptly, and then forgot about it. But that would not be my only encounter. Um, again, this is another cultural osmosis. I've been exposed to many of the characters, some solicited, some unsolicited. Unsolicited exposure is a uh, thing in this manga. So oh, yes. At least it's uh, thematic. Yes. Solicited and unsolicited exposure is a thing in this manga, so very fitting. So, that is all to say, um, I have been exposed to, or I have some familiarity with um, the manga, but I cannot say that I've ever willingly picked it up and consumed it before. So this was... I guess a fresh read, technically, for me. Yeah. Are Are you considering this time a willingness, a willingful uh, picking up and reading, or I'm still on the fence about this. <laughs> and then, uh, as for me, this is actually something that I had heard of. This uh, This series, when its anime came out, was really popular and in the zeitgeist for a while. I remember distinctly watching the first episode. And, like, sort of my immediate reaction was, hmm, that was 
competently made. And then I never really paid attention to it again until now. <laughs> I, I, I will admit a level of morbid curiosity, but uh, what Sam mentioned about being able to find what I'm looking for a lot more efficiently, yeah, that's sort of the reason why I've never bothered up until this point. <laughs> uh, the internet is a beautiful thing. We open up uh, our adventures in uh, Monster Musume with... Um, I, I forgot how just uh, quickly this gets down to it i suppose uh we have our main character uh who has a name but uh nobody remembers it so he will be darling coon from this point forward he is referred to by a nickname by every one of the many many female characters and uh darling even, is the most common one even his in, superiors in, which is just so confusing yeah including the government caseworker assigned to him refers to him as darling coon it's so weird. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't know if Smith is actually with the government. I think she's just faking it really hard. <laughs> she's just stumbling into... <laughs> into success. Yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me. When we get around to it, we can also talk about whether or not the government's even involved in the insane deal they signed. Yeah, but uh, Darling is uh, waking up to the beeping of his alarm clock and uh, is wrapped uh, in the embrace of a uh, rather lovely woman in his bed. And he's trying to wake her up. And uh, next page, wrapped in embrace indeed. She's got a snack body. Lamia. Yep, Lamia, and has constricted him uh, wholly. They use the uh, snakes are cold-blooded uh, need body heat excuse a lot. They sure do. It's one, of the, it's one of the better jokes of this series. It's got some of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah one thing one thing that is probably going to become very clear very quickly manu is extremely inconsistent there are some places where i very much enjoyed uh the experience there were other places where i felt like i could find what i was looking for more efficiently through other channels and then there were parts where i was not having fun but that's what the review is for his attempts to get up and get the day started are uh thwarted because, uh, oh, I'll just run a hot bath for you so you can get heated up. No, I want you to warm me up, darling. That's not fair at all. He he gets constricted, so we have to, uh, uh, we have to metaphor. He has to free himself somehow. And, or else uh, he's going to literally be crushed to death. So, yeah, yeah. you know, that. <laughs> so, I, she's a constrictor type snake then. And, uh. So rude. <laughs> I, I, okay, so, so here I come with the literary analysis again for even this thing. Of course I do. <laughs> literary analysis, we're two pages in. This is, this is referencing something that ends up connecting to uh, later elements. Because, like, this is the standard trope of the, the male protagonist uh, of the harem series gets beat up mm -hmm. because something livacious happens. And they, they play that joke straight a lot, and... It's not that they do it badly, but I will say one thing that I actually really liked is when they actually subverted the joke, because there are so many other cases where uh, uh, Mia the Lamia, uh, all the names are extremely clever. Uh, Mia, the, uh, there are a lot of cases where like Mia is actually the one who gets like, you know, beat up by karma because she's being the idiot. And I really do feel like Manmu is at, uh, is at its best when it's doing the sort of like tropey, hilarious punishments on her rather than poor Darling Kun, who is very tropey as far as protagonists of series like this go, but well enough written that I couldn't help but like him. So seeing him got, get hurt a lot was, I mean, not 
unfunny, but you know, it 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 was funnier when someone who really deserved it was the one getting it instead. Indeed. And me, uh, me, I get it's uh it just gets run over by karma though. That's not she does, she does not deserve the situation she's in. <laughs> or, no, not not she's at invited all. at the end of a reading yeah i mean yeah, they, i i go but i fluctuate between feeling sorry for mia and also hating mia yeah <laughs> well basically what it comes down to is does she deserve as bad as she gets probably not but like it is like dialed up to 30 for comedy's sake and it's something that later in our reading started happening happening more where they where the clom the comedy was plumbed from Mia getting punished rather than Darling Kun getting punished, which I thought was a lot funnier because a lot of times he deserves it. <laughs> poor and poor Darling does not uh, deserve the shit he gets or even ninety percent of it. Yeah, most of it. Poor man just wants to get out of bed and he's getting <laughs> constricted to death by his not girlfriend. I will say, though, one nice thing, and, and this is why I say he's a well-written in spite of being a very tropey version of this type of protagonist. He has a pulse. He understands the situation he's in, and he understands the benefits of the situation he's in. He's, he's not, not a jerk about it, but he's not gonna he's not gonna complain when Mia's shirt hikes up a little bit too much during the construction. So it's like, you know, he has a personality. He's not a piece of cardboard like the worst version of this, uh, like the poorly he's written version of this trope is. He's, he's not like the main guy from A Hundred Girlfriends who's just like, ah, yes, I am the perfect boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's not dense as a neutron star. Well, his bones might be for how often he, he gets... He uh, gets crushed and beaten, yeah. Yeah. Because, again, they do play that joke straight pretty uh, regularly. Mm -hmm. But uh, apparently the tip of the Lamia's tail is their weak point, and... Uh, grabbing desperately for something to escape the constriction forces Mia to relax, we'll say. The the exact joke that you're expecting proceeds to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's, there's a lot of that. Just saying, if for some reason you're one of those weirdos who doesn't believe a female orgasm exists, you won't understand most of Monster Musume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> It's not worth going through all of the exact jokes because then we basically get another version of the same the same sketch as the rest of this chapter until we decide to start world building, world building in gigantic air quotes. <laughs> yeah, we'd be here all day otherwise. Various other uh, shenanigans happen, usually involving Mia getting her tits out, which she is mo most want to do around her darling. There is a bit of fun in that uh, this is, you know, it, it doesn't like do the Tenchi Moyo thing of like everything is an accident or something untoward. There are a lot of cases where female cast of this series is very much DTF and that usually is a thing that will, you know, solve a lot of problems with like the skeezy elements of a story like this. Uh, they around the same like generation, I think, actually. No, this is more modern. Yeah, no, it, uh, it unfortunately doesn't matter how DTF they are, uh, because we get some world building about um, the it's nature illegal. of... Uh, it is illegal, uh, because uh -huh. there is, um, through the stupidest, stupidest reasoning ever, Lamia <laughs> uh, are basically monster people, and they are part of a group called Liminals, which encompasses all monster people. Who have apparently been unbeknownst to humanity for decades generations yeah i don't know where they're coming from because they're 
clearly coming into Japan from somewhere. They don't tell you, but <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter. But um, what I mentioned earlier, I started going on. We get a uh, talk about how the uh, treaty came about for them, where apparently the Japanese government signed a piece of paper saying that we will bring in a bunch of these liminals as, like, essentially foreign exchange students. Why are they all female? I don't think they are is the thing the ones we see are all female but that's because this is an ecchi manga but yeah. i don't think that's the implication there are there... female only species yeah yeah that that's the thing there seems to be more monster girls than other kinds of monster people i feel like this is just someone's fetish that they're just you know illustrating for us but yes mm. it's <laughs> daring psychological profile there <laughs> yeah, but what I'm going through is within the context of this universe, the Japanese government signed a piece of paper that said, we're cool having a bunch of liminals come over here as foreign exchange students, where basically they're not beholden to any of our laws. And as long as they do not harm a human and a human does not harm them, which, uh, okay, that makes sense. Can the pol yeah. police arrest them? No, that's harming. <laughs> What? <laughs> because because uh, diplomatic immunity in this universe works the way that it does in Lethal Weapon 2, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Where you can just walk up, shoot someone on the street, going like, I'm from Germany, bitch. <laughs> yeah, basically. I, that literally happens later. That literally happens. <laughs> it's the, and the, the logic given later is because liminals came out of nowhere and they had to start doing all of this um bureaucratic diplomacy so quick they just signed the first bill that came on and i'm like who made this treaty then because uh -huh. this is so insanely one-sided it's absolutely <laughs> ludicrous oh. and uh apparently even consensual coitus counts as breaching the contract the uh the treaty and is uh liable to start an international incident so yeah so yeah, because uh, breaking a breaking the hymen's drawn blood, man. I was gonna say, I, I mentioned I watched the first episode and and lost interest in it in it very quickly because the first episode makes it very explicitly clear it is that in specific that is the reason why they can't just screw. I'm not gonna lie, a part of me kind of wonders, would this series be better if they just let that happen? Like. It's so annoying. <laughs> that justification, now that we've said it, actually only happens in the first chapter. And every other time we see this got, get brought up, it seems to be just implied that it's illegal for liminals and humans to have sex with each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, why... And I, that's why... I think... Out, out, outside of the bounds of marriage, which is another thing that comes up. Because, of course, it does. Surprisingly quick, too. Like, it's, it's chapter uh -huh. three, I think. Yeah, well, that's after we have the base harem established, so now we have to uh, introduce marriage to the equation. And of course, uh, monogamy only. We can't, we can't have them just poly up already, so... <laughs> hey, 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 don't diss my girl. We won't talk about her until she comes up, but she's my favorite. <laughs> Degenerates. <laughs> oh, oh man, we read Monster Musume. I guess we might be degenerates. <laughs> yeah, this, some things might be uh, discovered about <laughs> ourselves. Who the fuck knew? Oh yeah, the world uh, 
building happens. Uh, this is given to us by, I think we mentioned her earlier, um, Agent Smith as a woman with a, a female presenting person, I guess, because we actually oh don't God. get that confirmed. Yeah, <laughs> she uh, is a part of the basically the cultural exchange secret service. <laughs> She's the cultural exchange facilitator. She's the one who oversees and is supposed to be. I don't know if she is like the main person. I, I get the impression that she is just kind of like a mid-manager type thing. I think she's the only one doing work. Yeah, if this were based off of anything remotely realistic, she'd functionally be like a caseworker. But yeah. like, it's Monster Monsume. But she has more administrative power than God. <laughs> like... That she like, doesn't do because she doesn't want to. She seems to be in charge of all the liminal exchange students because she is the only like, like agent who shows up. And when we say agent, she is not a caseworker. She is basically an FBI agent. I think she has a gun. She has a trank gun, which looks an awful lot oh, yeah, like yeah. a real gun. I, I think she also has a real gun because she shoots somebody with rubber bullets later, but... It, it shockingly, it doesn't make a lot of sense if you put a lot of thought to it. Uh-huh. But uh, apparently uh, Smith is so bad at her job that uh, Darling never even signed up to be one of the host families. And <laughs> she showed up with Mia anyway. Oh, well, I guess you're doing this now. Excuse me? <laughs> Wasn't it yeah. an administrative error? Like she took Mia to the wrong address? I do yeah. not trust anything Miss Smith says. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> Look, it's fine. Mia likes it here, so she's staying. Now, coffee refill, please. Yeah, she bums a lot of food and coffee off of uh, Darling Kun. <laughs> that seems to be her primary role in the story. I mean, give it, he's good for it, right? Does he get, like, a food stipend? He has to, right? He doesn't he have time to, to, like, hold down a job yeah. <laughs> with, all, with these ladies just lounging around his house. Oh, Eating. yeah, because that's another thing is um, they say at this point that liminals are not allowed out in public without an escort. This comes up in the second chapter. Mm -hmm. um, that rule seems to not matter a lot at some point. Uh-huh. It matters only so far as to have Darling be involved in whatever shenanigans are taking place. Characters will be caught in flag flagrant disregard of this rule and people will just proceed to not care because... This doesn't take itself very seriously <laughs> to mm -hmm. its benefit most of the time. If this thing was trying to take itself seriously, it would have been sunk by like page four. So no, it it it, it here's the thing. I will defend Monster Musume with this. It knows what it is, and it is never yeah. pretending to be anything else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but leaning into it, we we do have to take the world building it face value and it is ridiculous and i will not stop mocking it um, oh yeah, yeah 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 it is perfectly reasonable to, reasonable to mock this stupid world world building of monmu that's a feature not a bug uh mm -hmm. if, if that's not what you're about you will bounce off this series very quickly so anyway uh the second chapter is when they go out in public correct and then they end up getting swarmed by the paparazzi and then some people mm -hmm. start Oh, this is where we get introduced to my favorite side characters. The punks who love American things. Yeah, <laughs> that was so like... weird because, like, I spent, like, an inordinate amount of time just focusing on how they fit into, not the plot, but just how they fit into, like, I thought they were tourists or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm or, just like, saying. Or, gangbangers, but I'm just like, are they supposed to be Americanaboos or are they supposed to be I American think... tourists? 
you know, I think they're America booze. I, I think it's a bold choice to make the America booze the ones who are upset about a foreign species coming into Japanese <laughs> society and yeah. essentially taking over things. It's it's real real bold that it'd be those people who have a problem with it because holy crap is like this the entirety of Japanese society basically turned upside down for liminals. They go to places constantly are like, yeah, we basically retrofitted it because most liminals are the sizes of horses so we had to build our buildings to be the sizes of horses and like what i mean not all the time because there are plenty of places that they're like oh i'm sorry this is not liminal like equipped yeah yeah they they're in the process of changing things because again this entire like country at least worth of liminals just came out of nowhere and now like half of them are in japan i guess so like (laughs) The the speed at which construction is done in this series is its own hilarious joke. And I mean, like, intentionally and internally, it's played as a joke. But like... I'm just saying that if there were to be a portal or whatever that would open up into an alternate dimension, I would pretty much bank on it happening in Japan. It would just be like, yeah, this is happening right now. Kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, the whole giant... Fortunately, that did happen. Uh there's actually a documentary about it and um how nationalistic japanese special defense force uh, yeah i saw that documentary used superior, it was great. Used superior <laughs> technology to colonize i mean japan is pretty much as as we already know put itself on the map of like if if weird crap happens it's we're calling japan japan has already thought about how their response plan would be remind me never to read gate <laughs> 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 you got it i'll keep that in mind i I wasn't gonna suggest it so yeah next week we'll be reading gate no, no. <laughs> the americana boos get introduced who are basically just punks that hate liminals and uh-huh. they start harassing uh mia and darling coon eventually has to step in because she is not allowed to hit them because that would create an international incident I guess, except Mm -hmm. in the situations where she is allowed to do that. So Darling steps in the way, gets slapped in the face with her tail, and then proceeds to deck the guy. (laughs) Yeah, well, he decks the guy after they go to hide from the paparazzi and the racists in a love hotel. Mia seems blissfully unaware of this. (laughs) Uh, I don't, I think she's just real into it. She's probably just play, just playing it up, yeah. Uh, asking if the condom is a gummy lifesaver, et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, the door gets kicked in by Miss Smith because the only time she can ever be competent at something is when she's uh, misunderstanding the situation and screwing everything up. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying, though, is like, that's why I think it's more like, oh, man, inter, um, interspecies relations are illegal in Japan. Hmm. You know, they probably should be, now that I've said that sentence out loud. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that one uh, as it but lie. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, they kick down the door. Um, they go to uh, arrest him, and Smith is like, Oh, if it isn't Darling Coon, what are you doing here? Uh, we heard that some pervert uh, was taking a liminal to a love hotel. How did you know that? Oh, I saw it on Twitter. The, the, the best part is the actual the actual delivery of the joke is, uh, <laughs> what, have you underestimated the uh, intelligence gathering abilities of? Nah, I'm not, I can't even lie. I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> like, <laughs> even she knows how incompetent she is and she doesn't care. But uh, Darling does punch the racist in the face uh, with with great violence. He breaks his own wrist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, apparently, uh, Smith did some 
uh, weird, uh, did some like government secret power <laughs> to uh, not have charges be pressed. Uh, I, I think human on human assault, they just don't care about. Yeah, yeah. That's, that might that's... not even be illegal. <laughs> that does seem to be what the series is implying. A hard case for I punched someone harassing me. Like, that's technically illegal, but good luck getting a like police officer to care enough to be like, oh, yeah. yeah. Mia is uh, very grateful for uh, being saved and everything returns to its uh, usual position, I suppose. Poor choice of words, but let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> It plays out the way that you expect. It is important to point out that they, they do do a decent job of actually giving Darlington enough of a personality and the girls enough of a reason to actually care about him. Like, the, this series does put in the uh, legwork again phrasing, but uh, it does actually put in the work to uh, justify itself internally. So I appreciate that when I see it in a series, even a series mm -hmm. like this one. I think where I kind of like bristle is just like, there's no context as to why necessarily the Liminals kind of feel this way. Like it just comes out of like left field for me, I guess. You know what I mean? Like just uh, Mia kind of expresses, you know, like prior to her participation in the program, she studied Japanese and Japanese culture for like several years and everything. I understand that, but I'm just like, where the hell, like one of the characters actually has an explanation of why they have like all this pent up sexual energy, but Mia, not so much, you know, it just kind of comes out of left field. I think me. she's just thirsty. Like, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's where that comes from. Cause like, cause like the, the idea of like romance is established, but yeah, this is an etchy series. So of course, you know, everyone's you throwing themselves at the harem protagonist. She, she's cold blooded. She needs to go get that body. Yeah. And also that's I right. don't want to name, name names, but that, that is a thing of a uh, foreign exchange students, uh, you know. I mean, yeah. Currently, we have only two female characters, and only one of them is technically in the harem. This is a harem series, right? Let's get let's get uh, a move on with I that. Think so I don't think so yet. Uh, I have I have to do some some more research. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, we need to start with introducing a new girl. So, uh, darling and me are going about their everyday lives, and suddenly he is snatched off of the balcony by a bird girl. We have this chapter uh, is so bad. <laughs> It is bad. It is really yeah. bad. This plot is literally just an excuse for ass shots. Like, yeah, uh -huh. I mean, I was about to say, like, what plot are you talking about? Plot, 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 it's, plot. it's literally Harpy Girl kidnaps um, uh, Darling, uh, is basically mm -hmm. chased by, um, she doesn't understand that humans don't bathe in fountains, so she strips naked to go into a fountain, uh, gets yelled at to does. put her clothes back on, um, can't put her clothes back on, can only take them off with her wings. Yeah. Yeah. The well, I mean, that's how she gets that's how she gets the name of Bird Brain. She quite literally is that caricature. Yeah. Yeah. But her her that's her gimmick. Svelte body what? for flying and uh Yeah, but I think Matt was trying the, to ask Lynn, who put the clothes on her? No, that's the thing. She can't put her own clothes on, so I don't I don't Someone know. Put clothes on this girl, and we need to figure out who it was. So, Darling attempts to distract her with ice cream, and um, well, he it, got a popsicle, um, and it immediately goes to the joke that you're thinking. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it doubles down on that joke too. I was re 
sitting going like, oh my god, this is still going on. It's a it's a whole page. Yeah, it's uh it's, it's a whole thing. Uh and then because we need to endear the new girl to the audience, um, a girl gets caught up in a tree, but because mm -hmm. her wings are wet, she can't fly. So Mia has to climb up, but then drops the girl, and then she can fly, and the bird girl catches the falling girl. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. It it doesn't make any it sense. It doesn't make any sense now. Yeah, falling girl is scared of Mia because snake. Uh, Pappy manages to jump enough to, like, break the fall. And then Darling breaks the fall as well. And more ass shots. Breaks and... Mia's breaks me fall, so... Mm -hmm. uh... My favorite bit is Mrs. Smith comes in, or Agent Smith, I should say, comes in and is um, just like, oh, by the way, uh, she ran away from her host family, so now she's your problem. Uh, also, um, she is the same age of Mia, so no problems there. Let's go. <laughs> I love how that's a constant trope of, like, Everyone thinks because she is, you know, not so endowed as Mia and several well, other girls, she is constantly, you know, likened to be a little little kid and she must constantly assert, no, she's the same age as all of you. Because it's checking a box. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and also I, I do want to clarify, like, they literally mean just because she has a small cup size, she looks like a child. She does mm. not in any other way. <laughs> Yeah, no, I will say, said, I will this say. Chapter is mostly butt shots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I will say, I will say, as far as this trope goes, I, I accept this version. I didn't really have a problem with Poppy as a character. If you gotta do this for checking the box, it's still, it's still relatively obvious that she is an adult and that the others are just infantilizing her and that's not actually like she I is think they're just jealous because she doesn't have the back problems that a they would yeah, that the have. rest of them do. <laughs> the rest of them inevitably will uh you might be right <laughs> uh, this is also where it's established that every time there's a new girl there is a the dialogue becomes nothing but puns about the type of the type of like monster they are like there's so many like bird puns in pap in uh pappy's chapter you really winged it didn't you darling it, it doesn't uh. end <laughs> oh you know a hand on the bird is worth two in the bush or something like that that was a funny joke and i know that had to be like almost entirely the translator you're going like i got this <laughs> Uh, wordplay is hard to translate, but, uh... Now he's got two girls living with him, so, uh, he's, uh, regularly doing grocery runs, uh, poor darling. He's burning through so much of, well, presumably the government's money, so I don't know if, uh... Well, the government wants if... this program, they gotta support it, and these girls can eat. Yeah, That's... I don't know, I don't know if he's too broken up about that part. <laughs> Who's paying for this and how is neither funny nor sexy, so funnily enough, the manga glosses over this, how about that? <laughs> well, the only thing I think about is how many hours, like, he has to spend, because initially the girls don't cook. So it's like, he's basically just cooking constantly, and occasionally when they get the urge to go outside, he's like, okay, I have to accompany you, and... That's where all the shenanigans happens. But I mean, essentially, his entire job is, well, as you might expect, just entertaining and cooking. All right. but So let's take a look at the checklist so far. We've got, um, we've got. Uh, oh, my God. That is that is part of. Oh, God. The checklist. <laughs> we've got Thirsty Girl. We've got Genki Girl. Now we need the big titty Onesama. Oh, hey, a, a centaur girl running darling over in a crosswalk. Yes. Who legitimately treats him <laughs> like royalty or nobility. Because she is a noble steed. 
How dare he try to ride well, her? She's also doing this on purpose was my favorite part because she read up on Japanese culture and is looking for a master. So she felt uh -huh. the way that star-crossed lovers find each other in Japanese society is running blindly through corners. So she's just been doing this all day and happened to hit him. <laughs> But I mean, like, I thought, like, looking for a master wasn't necessarily the aspect of Japanese culture. It was also part of their centaur culture. No, no, well, yeah, it's the centaur culture. She's doing the Japanese way of finding one. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she's a closet weeb. Yeah, she is a closet weeb, and I respect that. <laughs> I, I knew I should have had a piece of toast in my mouth. <laughs> These strange Japanese magics, they're so hard to understand. <laughs> no, no, you're just... Talking about manga tropes. Yeah, she is well-versed on the manga. She probably listens to this podcast, actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, Centauria does have taste in a few regards, so probably. <laughs> Gotta stay read up. Yeah, what's going on? Exactly. Uh, so anyway, uh, we need to kickstart this plot so purse snatching happens uh, directly mm -hmm. next to them. It's weird. <laughs> How about that? Uh, there is a... The justification that happens is in the panel just before Centuria uh, slams into Darling, he passes by a sign that says, warning, multiple purse snatchings in this area. And that's it. This manga knows what it is. Yeah, yeah. no, it knows what it is and doesn't care. Yeah. Someone is going to ask where to hang the lampshade next. Like, But uh, Centuria is not about to let this asshole on a moped get away with uh, a purse he snatched. So uh, she goes to charge after him. But uh, after a, like, 30-second phone call, uh, Smith was like, eh, no, she's your problem now. Anyway, I'm going back to sleep. Yeah, because the big problem is she can't actually do anything to stop the purse snatcher because any physical assault would get her deported. So mm -hmm. she needs a human to come with her to do the physical assaulting. And unfortunately, in order to keep up with a moped, I, I guess that only leaves one option. I mean, you are a horse. I'll just ride on your back and... Whoa! It's crossing a, it's crossing a line, man. In center culture? Yes, it is. Uh, quite egregiously, as is explained later. Uh, uh. You just assume that because she's like part horse, you can just ride whatever you feel like? But it's fine. She likes darlings. So I'm just gonna gloss over this part. Oh, so just because she happens to like them, that uh. means that it's okay. No, okay. it doesn't, Jay, but that's what the manga does. And so this is the world we're living in. Literally pretty privilege here. This is where it dips for me and where I stopped having fun. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. They're the ones who added the weird consent consent thing. Like, they, it's their manga. They didn't need to put it in. It's yeah. only a problem because they mentioned it. Yeah, they made it a problem. It's one of those ones where, like, this didn't have to happen. I wish it didn't. I would have enjoyed this manga a lot more. They move past this uh, really uncomfortable thing fairly quickly. And then it comes up again later. So that's going to be fun to get to. This has some real, uh, I'll just say it, peaks and troughs. Yes, phrasing. It's but, um, Monmu. It's episode 69. We're just going to go with it. You knew what you signed up for when you clicked on this episode. And now we're delivering. Yeah. <sighs> yep. So we get a honestly pretty fun chase sequence of Centaur versus Moped. They crash through a... Uh, they crash through a bunch of large jugs, because of course they do. Yeah, th Wait. this manga really likes uh, wet shirts a lot. <laughs> My... My favorite line is, 
isn't even from here, but it's a uh, cent. Is it Centaru? What's her name? Centuria. Centuria, where she's just like, it is not the centaur way to wear a bra, and uh, that's <laughs> obvious. <laughs> uh, it, it is not the uh, etchy harem comedy manga way to wear a bra because I don't think anybody does I'd worry about this girl's spine but I don't actually know how her spine works because it makes a weird 90 degree angle halfway through her body So yeah because she's a horse but uh, there is the uh, epic chase sequence uh, concludes with Centauria this entire time has had a sword that she it, well it it concludes with uh, Darling trying to hold on through this wild ride, ripping her shirt open, uh, which causes course, yeah, which causes the the purse snatcher to lose control of his moped and slam into uh. Slam I think into... it's supposed to be paint cans. Yeah, it's the exact joke that you're thinking. And then uh, there, there, there's something about the purse snatcher getting the sword and, uh, oh no, dramatic cut as Darling Kun is cut with the sword. It was fake. Of course it was, you know. I, I, I don't understand how that fake cut worked because it would still hurt to be hit by a fake whatever it was made out of. The way the cut worked seemed to imply that the sword passed through him because it yeah. was fake i don't this manga loves setting up like we, weird twist endings that you're just staring they're going like that that doesn't make any what uh-huh well, yeah Dar darling does say it still hurt like hell to get hit by it but good thing it didn't have an edge I think my shoulder is uh, re-dislocated after Mia accidentally tore it out. They harp on a lot about uh, the one time uh, Mia dislocated his shoulder when, like, Poppy and Centuria have caused similar severe harm. Look, Mia doesn't deserve it. Like, Mia just had, like, a cute, like, little um, vacay away boyfriend who she was getting real serious with with their time together, and then it gets drastically interrupted overnight for no reason. Like, yeah. <laughs> my favorite bit was um, uh, Mia breaking down the door saying, Darling, have you been out fighting more girlfriends? <laughs> no, we've already started part two of 100 Conjuro. <laughs> 100 Conjuro, at the very least, starts with the premise that they're sharing him. Mia had her soul monogamy taken away from her. Yeah. yeah. yeah That's I mean... why, again, I'm torn between, like, I feel bad for her, but at the same time, I hate her. Well, and I mean, here's the thing. There was very much a sense that uh, Monmu very much started off as a, a lot more like, because it does all the typical jokes that you expect from a series like this. I feel that it found its footing when it realized we can just have Mia double down to a hilarious degree <laughs> and then punish her for it, which is really funny. I wish they figured out to do that sooner because then maybe they wouldn't have done some of the other things that they did. But that's, again, what the review is for. Anyway, they've now got a centaur living with him, so the house needs to be remodeled again. Uh mm -hmm. Thanks, government. Because, you know, that's not coming out of his pocket. That's insane. I'm pretty sure he started in an apartment, and now he's got, like, a ridiculously, a si a ridiculously sized house. Because yeah. Mia is, uh, like... In downtown Tokyo? That's amazing. He's, like... Well, aside from, you know, having to entertain now three women who mm. are quite... He's downtown Tokyo, actually. I think that's huh? one of the few things. I think he's uh, Tokyo suburbs, really. Because there's, there's not a lot of big buildings around him. He needs it for the space, you see. Mm. 
Because, I mean, Mia's over seven meters long. And also he's living with a person who is a human body on top of a horse's body. Centaurs are yeah. ridiculously huge. Yes, just imagine, like, if you saw one, I mean, if centaurs were real and you saw one in real life, it would terrify the crap out of you. Like, honestly. Yeah, yeah. people, I, I, not, not for nothing, people forget how big real world regular horses are. And then you stand next to one. It's uh, talking to you, and you're just like, oh my god. <laughs> talking to you, being extremely lustful about it. <laughs> Wait a minute. Considering how, uh, considering how she stacks to the, oh, that was a terrible choice of words. <laughs> uh, considering, yeah, she is very stacked. She is, she is, she is a ridiculous cup size. Um, but uh, considering her height, she must actually be a very small horse because she's not that much taller than people. She might be like a pony or a miniature. Well, I mean, that's also the thing is, is centaurs aren't real. So you can just make the horse body smaller than a real horse. This, you know, there, to the shock of everyone, there might be an element of fantasy in this series. I'm just no, saying. No, this is actual. They actually took like proportions into account. So yes, it's um, accurate. <laughs> they took proportions into account and then they gave the cup size for most of the female characters. Sure. These cup sizes do exist, but they do not look as they are portrayed in this manga. I just want everyone to know that. <laughs> I also noticed that. I'm like, they give um, Sororia's cup size. I'm like, mate, mate, that girl's beach balls. That's not what you just said. Yeah, this is, if you saw that in real life, you'd be concerned how she was still breathing. Like She's got uh, horse lungs, Jay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how it works. But okay. anyway, um, so... Uh, we've got the three main girls, and I think this is actually where Agent Smith brings in. Hey, by the way, there's a new law about um, we're going to do a trial for uh, uh, human Lamia marriages. So uh, if you want to get on the docket for that, uh, that's on the table. And all the girls are like, oh, we can get married to Darling. And then they both have insane fantasies of not knowing who he is at all. It's great. Because, yeah. uh, <laughs> this man that you've been living with, you have you don't know him at all. You don't know what he wants. You don't know anything. Because uh, Centauri uh, has like, he's uh, this dedicated gentleman with like a vest and glasses. And they have some kind of weird half human, half centaur baby. And I don't, I don't know how that picture Wait, works. half human and half centaur. What is that? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Oh, oh no. A human with a horse tail. Calling it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, uh, as soon as they hear that marriage is eligible, the next chapter is all of them in lingerie, except Pappy, who's just wearing a, an oversized T-shirt, chasing him down like, darling, come on, let's get married. You can't run away anymore. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the gimmicks that we haven't mentioned up to this point is uh, each of the each of the new girls introduced has a uh, unique nickname for Darling Kun. The reason why we've been using Darling Kun is the only one that gets uh, repeated is it's Darling from Mia and Darling Kun, uh, uh, Agent Smith, who's as she heard Mia say it once, basically mocking him. <laughs> yeah, now Poppy calls him boss. Centuria calls him master or my lord. Because again, classic European knight sort of uh, that, like that's her gimmick. And she's a horse. That's horse is known for being polite. <laughs> <laughs> we get the explanation from Smith of like, yeah, you. Well, uh, now that we're doing this integration thing, marriage is bound to happen. Besides, uh, Lamia and, and Harpies are female-only races, so they need to take uh, human husbands at some point. 
which beggars raises so many questions i'm really scared to ask yes yes actually they all just clone each other questions that we'd rather not think about no they reproduce asexually we already know this i don't think that's true I don't think I mean it has either. to be because obviously they've surround they've survived for generations without male husbands. They are a female well, only no. race. I think they they reproduce with other male lamia. Or, or uh, uh, liminals. liminals, not lamia. Yeah. Yeah. The fact those two are so close annoys me. Um, I feel like uh, I feel like there may have been a like th- there was an idea that maybe got dropped, but I don't know. It, I I don't I the, you don't the, want to spend too much brain power on this series. That's not what that's there for. Yep. But Smith leaves uh, them to their fate after explaining this. He goes, oh, I feel like I forgot to mention something. Oh, well, next panel, shot of the full moon. Hmm. That's the excuse for this chapter. They don't act that different, by the way. Yeah, they're just... They claim it's getting... more aggressive. The only one who really seems to have a noticeable difference is uh, Centurio is the only one who acts like an actual human. Uh... Yeah, like, I, if anything, the full moon just seems to make Darling Coon um, suddenly a prude. Like, he's suddenly against it. He's like, no. Well, yeah, more against yeah. it. Than, yeah, because yeah, again, he, he's... Uh... He's not he's not written as a cardboard cutout, so more against it. Yeah, it's a weird chapter that this never comes up again for the rest of our reading. How about that? Uh, it's almost like they're trying out different tropes to see what sticks. They end the like full moon horny period with um, and then we decided to always go to bed early on full moons. The end. Wait, why? Cool. <laughs> because it makes them horny. Oh yes, ah yes, the lunatic, lunar cycle. <laughs> Wait, it makes their animal instincts go uh, go awry, or something, or something. And darling is like, I seriously can't be involved in this, as there is a page of the three of them causing rampant destruction with their monster parts around him, and he's like, I I will die. He hides in the fridge at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't blame him. There's a metaphor in this somewhere. I mean, between Pappy's talons, Mia's constrictor powers, and Centuria's a f***ing horse. Well, yes. especially in this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, this the chapter we get my favorite joke in the series where uh, they finally get, after like getting it through their systems, they finally go up to the darling like, well, darling, now that we've fought for you all night, what uh, what is your type? Oh no no, that's later. That's later. Yeah, that, that is later. But the answer is legs. He is a leg man, which had to have destroyed poor Mia. <laughs> Again, I go between hating and like feeling really bad for her. Well, no, because also um, Centaria doesn't have legs. She's got bony horse legs, and Pappy has talents. Like. Okay. Okay, Matt, Matt, we know for a fact from a later girl that he doesn't mind the uh, the odd-shaped leg, the odd-shaped animal legs. Ooh, no, I, I think he thinks those are sexy lady legs, which in all fairness, they are. Like, the way that uh, those spider legs are drawn is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But spoilers, people who didn't bother reading this manga for some reason. <laughs> Did you think there wouldn't be a spider girl? Come on. I mean, I was hoping because that was the only thing I was holding out for at this point. <laughs> 
Yeah, the Dryder girl really into bondage, but she comes up later. Like as soon as as soon as marriage gets brought up, a boy, they're gonna have fun with this uh, plot point for a chapter or two, and then there's gonna be some punchline about how it can't happen. Actually, the uh, the punchline's coming soon, uh, right? Hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then they just it it just kind of sits there, not doing anything for the rest of our reading. <laughs> well, well, he decides to date each of the girls to figure out which one he wants to marry. Unfortunately, they keep adding new girls. Yeah, the, the series gets uh, sidetracked extremely quickly. Uh, I, I, I'm not surprised. I kind of expected that. I don't know how it could have not been sidetracked unless you wanted to see a man like a snake for 20 chapters. Which, I mean, as stated, if that's your thing, there's a more efficient way to get to that. The internet is an interesting place. To clarify, we, we obviously mean a snake person, not a r real snake. Uh, get yeah, oh, fair, um, yeah, fair point, fair point. Mia decides she needs to be a traditionally good Japanese housewife because she's trying to outwife the other girls. And I'm like, there you go. If it's a competition to see who gets to be the wife, outwifing other people is how you do it, you know? So she is learning how to cook traditional Japanese food, but does not tell anyone that. And Darling mistakes it for Lamia cooking because it looks like death. <laughs> You, you gotta get the uh, classic trope in of uh, female character can't cook, etc., etc. It's a very tropey series. It usually plays it pretty well. And then, because of that, while she's cooking, she burns her hands. And then her hands are wrapped completely in a cast made of bandages. Unless they're not when she needs to grip the pillow, but we'll get there. <laughs> I, I say we'll get there. I don't want to talk about this more than we need to. Uh, she's shedding, but because her hands are bandaged up, she needs a boy. She needs darling to shed for her. But it's a yeah. very intimate thing for Lamia, even more intimate than not wearing clothes. And it's yeah. uh it is a very, very graphic rubdown. This is how <laughs> it it gets weird fast to comedic effect. It is extremely uncomfortable, but it also is very funny. Yeah. It it it's, is uh, it is legitimately just erotica, but it's also kind of funny. So like, uh -huh. yeah, yeah, it, uh, it, <laughs> it, 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 it sure is. It uh, it treads a line I didn't know existed, but cool, <laughs> I guess. Uh -huh. It's certainly unique. I appreciated it for that. I, I don't think I'll ever read that chapter again, but uh... Mia's still <laughs> trying to cook in the next chapter after she burned her hands into oblivion. They've healed now. Uh, I mean, they healed during the chapter, apparently, but um, <laughs> and then and then reburned, yeah, yeah. But um, then she's cooking again, and they're all sampling, and then there is a slime in the in the pot. There's a slime in the pot who jumps on Mia's head and then leaves. I think for some reason, uh -huh. I don't, I don't quite understand how anything in this manga works. I'm not gonna lie. But the slime girl has like three separate plots and I forget what order they happen in. She's They're... inside because it's raining, right? I think so. Yeah. It, they do actually they... set up the slime lore earlier on than you think, but then it doesn't really matter, but it's so basically mm -hmm. slimes absorb water and get bigger, but if they drink too much water, they get diluted. So they're like, desired size is about the size of a human being and obviously uh -huh. because this is an etchy series they store the excess water in their boobs 
because yeah. of course they do. Yeah, I think the big thing is if they're submerged in water or if they're in rain, they start to dissolve. Whereas, mm. like, you know, they can also drink water relatively safely, but mm-hmm. it it's it's about as logical as the treaty that brought all these wackadoodles here. What a shock. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, because the characters themselves are talking about the slime girl. And they seem to be of the opinion, does she count as part of the treaty? She does not appear to be sentient or sapient, uh-huh. I should say. I mean, most of the early stuff in this chapter is just excuses to slime the various girls. It's, it's, uh, it's by just the, excuses for wet t-shirt scenes. By the end of the... The, the slime attacks uh, Centuria and Darling in the bath, absorbing all of the water and sweat off of Darling and mimicking the washing actions yeah she she does a lot of mimicking of other people uh eventually she gets uh kicked into the tub and that's where they realize that uh she can get diluted enough that it like has the potential to break her down uh but then possibly kill her but then uh whilst uh mia Darlingkun and Centauria are talking about this. Uh, they don't realize that Poppy is playing Wii with uh, with the slime. <laughs> she and Poppy have become best friends. Well, why not? They're very yeah. playful individuals. Someone needs to live in the mood rather than just constant sexual tension. You know. <laughs> I'm just going to say this right now. Uh, slime Girl doesn't break any rules. So they've thrown that original rule out the window at this point in the series. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, what she- original rule? cause no harm there are, there are several yeah she breaks all of them i think i think the idea is they basically treat her as if she's an invasive species and she is actually sapient but they almost start treating her like a pet well she becomes sapient i think i think there is actually a like it's it's weird mm-hmm. <laughs> it's weird it doesn't make I a lot of sense no it doesn't over the course of like i think she has like three series dedicated to her right yeah three chapters or so because um what they worry they, the other girls get on board with adopting her because they're like oh a cute little baby it can be me and darling and a baby and they're like ooh, yeah and then She's she absorbs like a daughter but yeah and then she absorbs a bunch of water in her boobs and that uh that illusion gets ruined quickly uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah her name is sue by the way uh yeah, Poppy which names her is, Sue. It's a it's an onomatopoeia in Japanese, which is fitting for uh, Poppy as a character. I yeah, I will yeah. say I will say I do love the chapter where they hand wave the fact that okay, there's another one. First of all, because the there's a hilarious bit where there is an attractive uh, designed female character in a wheelchair. You already know what the punchline of this is going to be. Uh, don't worry, you're exactly right. But I love there's there's a bit with the America booze again. <laughs> My other favorite part is you're missing up this is um this is happening because they send Sue away because they're worried she's going to get deported. And um, Agent Smith keeps uh, asking Darling about things because she's being real suspicious. And they think it's because she's after Sue. We find out that's not true, but we get a weird background story while Darling's doing this, where Sue is going after the individual monster girls and essentially orgasming them out of the story as represented by flower petals falling. Flower petals. That's the equivalent of the Bishi flakes. 
I have never seen a plot more like 100 Kondro than that, but... <laughs> yeah, it's very similar to the whole Mia stress-shedding thing. It is incredibly uncomfortable and very, very funny, in large part because of how uncomfortable it is. Yeah, because the, the joke is she's desperate for any form of moisture, and that goes about as well as you think. Except when the girls are aware of it and there's like this panic to like not <laughs> I don't <laughs> Yeah, it's it's weird and funny from like like a cringe perspective. One of one of my favorite bits of harem manga logic is, is from the chapter before, because there's the chapter that introduces Sue, then Poppy runs away with Sue because uh Poppy is afraid Sue is gonna get deported. And in this chapter we get a return of the America booze. They're in a really well-made American truck and yep. uh, nearly commit uh, vehicular manslaughter because, of course, they do. They're on a bridge and Sue is like stuck to the side of the bridge, which starts to crumble for some inexplicable reason. Well, it's because they almost hit a little girl with a car mm -hmm. and Sue uh, protected the little girl acting like a, basically a gel cushion. The bridge starts crumbling because... The America boost hits the side. Hits the side, but Sue is stuck to the crumbling part and is about to fall into the river and dissolve. Poppy can't hold her up, and she's about to fall into the river. Darling somehow gets <laughs> the truck off of the bridge and into position in the river for Sue to fall into yeah. the river into the bed into of the bed the of the truck. pickup truck. Yeah, this he. He drove the tr truck that was on the bridge that Sue was falling off the bridge, off the bridge, or potentially around because he seems to come from underneath the bridge. Yeah. Also, apparently the water he's fall uh, Sue's falling into is like two inches deep because the wheels are not that submerged. Because the wheels aren't submerged. Yeah, no, he can teleport the truck into a river and also magically make the water less deep to the point where you kind of wonder if that would dissolve Sue anyway because it's less water than the bathtub. It is such harem manga logic. It's so stupid. I, I had no idea what was happening. I had to flip back going like wait where did this truck is this a different truck no it's the same truck how do you get the driver out <laughs> like <laughs> yeah because because there's a shot where it shows the truck under the bridge where the bridge crumbled and uh you see a little speech bubble coming out of the cab of darlington saying uh boy it's a good thing i was able to drive the truck around that fast and you can see the america booze on the bridge because apparently he pulled them out of the truck when did he do this this is like four seconds worth of panels it's during the entire dramatic scene of Poppy desperately trying to keep Sue from falling into the water. And they're really selling it up like she's about to fall into the water. She's going to die. She's thanking Poppy for being her friend. Oh, no, it's so dramatic in the truck. So I'm just saying, if you had that amount of time, you could just pull Sue up like that. <laughs> yeah, she falls because Poppy can't grip things with her wing claws. You have hands, darling. It is very silly. Oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh. They, they they come back from this rescue attempt to find Agent Smith has uh, already done the paperwork to get a new waterproof room in installed. And, uh -huh. and Darling's just like, oh, 
wow, cool. I was worried there was going to be some problems because I, d if you already know about this slime chick who's totally just with us now, that solves a lot of problems. I'm, I'm sorry, what? Oh no, this, this is a whole different, I, I am going to get yelled at for this invasive species like if it's not something on my caseload i'm gonna pretend i didn't see anything by the uh, way you're living with a mermaid now what well, it, well, yes the girl in the wheelchair was a mermaid to the shock of nobody uh and that that's that's after that's after all the shenanigans of sue um incapacitating the other girls <laughs> because they because they think that Smith is going to take her away, so they flee with her. <laughs> yeah, this is actually also where they really start having, like, Mia double down and, like, basically use the, the comedy beat of Mia takes something too far, karma punishes her, comedy ensues, and I, I really liked those jokes. Uh, mm -hmm. where where Mia just, like, you know, went up to 11 and then, you know, something collapsed out from under her. That was, uh, that was I feel, when the uh, series uh, hit its comedy stride for, like, the regular, you know, you know, chapter-by-chapter chapter bits. Uh, and actually, the humor in general largely was, you know, finding its footing in, in most ways. For all of the complaining we've been doing about how much it doesn't make sense, you know, like, the, the, the characters are... It's one of those ones where it's like the characters are well enough written. They're not mm -hmm. exactly winning any awards, but uh, they're fun. They're, they're fine. I, they have dynamics, and the dynamics are engaging enough for what it is, and it knows what it is, and it isn't asking you for any more investment than uh, you know. And uh, this is when we're introduced to Marone the Mermaid, and it's at this point where I can only assume that it's no longer down to just like flubs in paperwork. She's just pawning all these monster girls off on Darling because he's survived so far. That clearly makes him qualified. Which makes me wonder like what exactly her caseload is because it's just kind of Apparently like... massive. Yes. Which... Apparently the what, whatever government there... the liminals have is just dumping people in Japan. <laughs> yeah, which like raises questions. Usually there's a trial period, especially with how like relatively new this whole like they're still feeling out like what kind of restriction should they impose what kind of accommodation should they impose and now you're just like opening the floodgates to like oh yeah you could totally accommodate like 50 billion girls right yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's exactly what i'm saying is this is a trial period so that's why they have to go to host families so clearly it must be like a very small sample size by the nature of being a trial period Yet clearly there's enough of a population that clothing stores decide, yes, we should completely remodel to support liminal clothing. And I'm just like, yeah, it's not adding how? up for me. How do you do that? Make the math work. How, how do you support all liminals? Their body types are not the same. Like, yeah, we, ha we have some uh, lower body serpent types. We have fucking, uh, centaur types. We've got the slimes. It it doesn't make excuse me the centaurs are very chaste <laughs> but you're assuming yeah. that even still they're all the well, same size which is well, just that, exactly no there's the centaur types which are slightly different than the centaurs because uh the spider girl is a centaur type i will say i will say speaking of clothing i do think it's kind of cute and funny that uh the uh thing that they came up with for sue is that she wears a raincoat that that mm -hmm. i i enjoyed that 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 is funny yeah <laughs> Yeah, and somehow they sexualized the raincoat. I'm like, I don't know how I felt about that. They're just like, well, yeah, obviously. I think they need Sue sexualizes the raincoat. Yeah. <laughs> they could have gotten her a larger size is all I'm saying. 
there are a lot of cases where you could have gotten a larger size could be said to most of the characters in this series. Not for Centuria. Centuria, like, legitimately probably wears, like, an extra, extra large, but because of her unrealistic, like, size of her chest, it just her doesn't proportions. Work. Yeah, her perfectly realistic proportions. Uh, yeah, she, and she's, uh, she's called a cow in her, like her like we mentioned earlier there's puns she doesn't get a lot of horse ones she just gets straight up cow puns like she also gets a lot of horse puns and oh god they're definitely gonna introduce a cow girl who's even bigger than a minotaur at some point a minotaur yeah well didn't happen in our reading <laughs> yeah right now right now we've been introduced to the mermaid girl who is immediately a target number one of uh, well Mia. first we have to go about like her introduction because originally like we didn't even know that she was a uh, liminal like she was just like oh this is just a girl in a wheelchair right yeah. i'm gonna help her she <laughs> <laughs> was drawn so well that you're like she's clearly a main character yeah designed character in a wheelchair yeah probably mermaid <laughs> Actually, paging back to that chapter, uh, she's got really long sleeves on, so you can't see her fingers too clearly, but her fingers are webbed, and you can actually see the webbing in that, if you're looking. When I was initially reading it, uh, clearly designed character in a wheelchair, probably Mermaid was my, my immediate thought. I think I was also largely confused by a lot of the B-plot of that chapter, uh, as Matt was, uh, because um, I was trying to, like, parse out the timeline. And I know I was doing, I was actually doing that and not, like, saying that to cover it. Because I remember specifically noticing the webbing on the fingers as I had uh, gone through that chapter again. It's, uh, mm -hmm. like, because she's got, a, she's got, like, the Lolita Goth style. And the frills are done, like, she has a particular way of holding her hands. And uh, the frills are up in that chapter to uh, hide the... Uh, the webbed fingers because she steeples her fingers all the time yeah it's a legitimately clever character introduction because it's one of those ones where you know exactly where this is going but it pulls it off yeah. see and that just shows how differently we observe things because i caught on to none of that i legitimately saw that she was a civilian who just needed help and whoa she happens to be a mermaid Okay. She Indeed. she was she was way too designed to just be a <laughs> random character. I'm sorry. I also had the context of this is Japan, so I just have a different expectation. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's fair. Ra random uh random Lolita got the chick in a wheelchair. Random Lolitas exist. So I mean yeah. it's just kind of like going in with that context. I'm like, yeah, I could totally believe there was a, a girl in a wheelchair who just happens to like Lolita fashion, yeah. Totally. Yeah, Jacob, I, I know this is, this might be hard for you to accept. Some people are actually in wheelchairs. They're not mythical creatures. Speaking of the wheelchair, though, um, Mia's enraged jealousy uh, causes the destruction of the wheelchair at the beginning of the next chapter. This is, uh, so, we've gotten into the full swing of Mia doubles down, pain she, for Mia ensues. <laughs> Why are you cuddling up with that watery tart? I was just carrying her up the stairs because we don't have a wheelchair accessible second floor yet, so I have to do that. And now the wheelchair's broken, so I actually have to just carry her around all day. Well then, that makes sense. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. She's still a tart. <laughs> I hate her. <laughs> I, I really like how Mia's the only one who gets like really in. Like, I don't like how much time she's spending with her. The other two girls are like, 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that is a little weird, but you know, you're really in on this. Do your thing, I guess. Like, normally they'd all three be like, how dare Darling pay attention to anyone but us? But they're like, no, we're gonna just let Mia take this one. (laughs) She has enough rage for the rest of them, yes. I love the interactions between Mia and Centuria in this chapter, because Sarah's just like, seriously, what is your problem? It's another rival for Darling's hand in marriage. This is the first time I felt like there's real competition. You're too honor bound. Poppy's still a child and Sue's not even in the running. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? There's another There's another case of Poppy. Uh, or actually, I think it's actually Centuria who mentions, isn't Poppy the same age as us? Crap, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny and uh the other the other thing centuria keeps mentioning is that uh she said she's not interested in marrying uh marrying him so i'm just gonna take her at her word because she seems nice there is also a funny bit of uh marrow oh. like being like having a royal air about her that centuria really appreciates mm-hmm. yeah they're both but- like coming from like the a point like definitely a point of privilege or a a certain stature in society. So that's where they kind of like awkwardly bond over. Well, uh, Mero keeps asking if Darling has a girlfriend, which Mia cannot stand. <laughs> I'm just asking. Because he keeps dodging the question. What? How about, oh, actually, no. He's not even dodging the question. Usually some etchy comedy shenanigans end up preventing him from answering. I mean, he, 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 also, he also legitimately understands his situation. Like, he fully understands mm-hmm. that if I were to say, Oh no, he would have to answer for that. Oh yes. Oh my god, who is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, the situation is genuinely vague right now because he did agree to date all the girls casually. So it's like uh-huh. I don't have one right now, but I am kind of doing a romantic thing, if that's what you're asking. You've asked a very specific question that I can't give a specific answer to. Of course, he doesn't say that because uh, mermaids have a slightly slimy body, so she slips out of his arms and that makes her bra fall off. So, nah. Yeah, that that's the excuse that they give for taking her top off regularly. I hate it when that happens. Everyone, yeah, everyone <laughs> has, has some kind of excuse for why their top comes off all the time. <laughs> Mia sees this and le- immediately learns the wrong lesson. It's like, Sue, quick, slime me. <laughs> Oh my god. I loved Mia in this chapter. Because like every she just doubles down and it's so funny. Oh no, darling, I got all slimed up. Oh, you should probably take a bath then. I, I think the one I ran this morning is still good. Ew. Uh, the one you ran this morning? Yeah, Mia realized she was in a harem manga this chapter and like tried to follow those rules. Little did she know that those rules have to be followed accidentally. <laughs> uh it, it is really funny uh yeah the uh the other thing the other thing that i thought was kind of funny is uh i think it was when marrow and and centauria were bonding because actually uh centauria also is like hey you're asking if asking him if he has a girlfriend a lot what's up with that you said you're not uh you don't want to marry him and um she's like oh well as a mermaid i really like the the book the little mermaid and my immediate reaction is uh you know the disney movie uh changed how that book ends right well that's <laughs> why she that's why she said the book not to the which movie. she speci- to which she specifically responds <laughs> oh yes i do mean the book 
<laughs> well, no, that, that's the best part because at first she just mentions the book and nobody else says anything. Like I'm saying, I'm saying to the page, you know how the you know the book ends differently from the Disney movie, right? And and she's saying, heck yes, I do, and I want that. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it, it sets that up. And then much later in the chapter, it pays off that, yes, she knows exactly how the book ends. Yeah. How dare you, Jacob? How dare you question a woman and she knows what she wants. <laughs> she knows exactly what she wants. Mia comes in here, finally confronts her, and she's just like, Oh, no, 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 Mia, you don't got to worry about me. I am actually team you and Darling 100%. I'm on team B, his side piece. I am aiming for second place. I understand how harems work. I appreciate this girl. She's done her research and she knows what she wants. She, yeah. she literally says at one point, I am fully in support of you and beloved, uh, just as long as you let me have an occasional affair with him or a menage a trois. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, she's like full on, like, yeah, go ahead and marry him. I'll even be your maid of honor. Just I fucking want, <laughs> I want a tragic romance. <laughs> the love that can never be. Oh, it would be perfect. <laughs> the the fantasy she has, I love. It's one of those behind a park bench scenes of Mia and Darling like making out, but Darling is holding hands with Marrow from behind the bench. <laughs> I love cuckfish so much. <laughs> That's it. Like, I completely was like, this had to be like, what is the title for this? It's, it's well, some Dare, but I don't know what it is. Well, it's cuckoldry, but... <laughs> I know, uh, but what is that? What Dare is that? I have no idea. I have no idea of anything uh, that's going on at this point. I, I want to say NTR, but I think that has other implications that aren't necessarily this. I, lo I love how the other girls are all listening to the bathroom door to hear this explanation <laughs> and darling is too far away to catch anything except the screams and splashing it's like oh they seem to be having fun are they finally getting along getting along all right <laughs> Dang, if you were listening in behind a door and all you heard was screams and splashing what would your thought be <laughs> i don't know at a pool i'd probably be like this they sound like they're having fun yeah. I mean, it's, it's an indoor pool, right? No, that was That's at the bath. Oh, okay. Yeah, they have, they have the they have the snake-sized bath and also the indoor pool for the mermaid. Yeah, that's where I get confused. I'm like, which is which? Did they just like morph into like two different pools or two different baths? One's relatively well, cool well, because one's mermaid. hot, one's cold. Yeah, because Mia and almost found four in that somewhere. Cold-blooded. Yeah. yeah, that chapter was really fun. Let's have a not fun chapter after that one oh, no sam i think i'm gonna need a, a break after that <laughs> well you gotta cool yeah. off got all worked up uh, i think so no. i could use some water i just really don't want to talk about the next one yeah me neither yeah. honestly <sighs> so what do you say guys <laughs> quick break uh... and we'll, we'll then uh get this over with yeah that sounds good to me all right folks we'll be right back
we're gonna talk about how funny and uh, enjoyable the character dynamic of uh, Mero, Mia, and Darlingkun are, right? We don't have to... That's that's what the rest of this episode's gonna be about? No. No. Uh... No. Well, I we know can... what you're thinking. Man, there hasn't been enough blatant racism in this story yet. Don't worry! <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, we need some We need some orcs in here. Damn right. Orcs just come out of nowhere. Yeah, well, I mean, six... not literally, but yes. The six big pig boys come in and take over a doujin shop with yeah, and... guns. And, and the there's fact a they come in, like, looks... stereotypically, like, they come in as, like, antagonizing of just, like, no, we're just here because we want our smut, like, legitimized. There's a character behind the counter who looks suspiciously like Darling Kun, who I'm not 100% sure if it is or not. I don't it, think so. It might also be the author's self-insert because he used to draw Dojin, and ah. it, his, his drawing surprise, of himself surprise. looks a lot, yeah. A lot like the main character. Yeah, that, yeah, that tracks. Mm-hmm. But uh, the police Imagine have Imagine this is all happening to me! Yeah, I don't know why this is the chapter you'd want to write yourself into. Uh, the actual worst chapter of this manga that we read. Uh, Pioneer Orc Renaissance Kinsman. <clears throat> Take over this. Uh... Yeah, I'll, I'll defend this because how it starts off is you've got a group of orcs who are essentially terrorists who have held a doujin shop hostage with their end goal being they want the proliferation of orcs to be more prominent in doujins. They're like, yeah, we want more sexual categories featuring orcs. We want this, 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 this. And then they get weird. <laughs> mm -hmm. Makes sense. It's not even... It's Why not would even you a... hold up a doujin shop? Like, doujin shops don't control the narrative. You know what I mean? Like, I You're... just work here, man. You're expecting logic from this is the problem. But no, I mean, like, here's what the real problem is. It starts off very, it starts off funny. It starts off doing a Monmu thing. That makes sense. And then it gets graphically violent to yeah. a mood-killing yeah. degree. This isn't Helsing. You, you can't yeah. have your sex jokes, then your giant blood splatters, like... And, like, that's actually a really good comparison. I was going to compare this to Helsing, too. Because the thing that bugs me is the reason why Helsing is able to get away with it is because from the first part of Chapter 1, it immediately says, here is what you can expect from this series. The level of violence and the level of unpleasantness in this chapter was just so out of left field. And, it, like, it... Like, it like, like it, needed, it needed a like trigger like a trigger warning or something. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. This chapter is so completely removed. I would not be surprised if this was like a side pilot for a spinoff series mm. that ended up yeah. not going anywhere. So they because this introduces an entirely new set of characters who do um because essentially what <laughs> this is this whole thing is um who do Miss Smith job or agent smith's job apparently because she can't be bothered to do it yeah that's the punchline of this and it's like essentially it's a essentially this whole thing is like a cop show teaser for oh yes here's the bad guys and then they're about to assault this girl but then it turns out that she's part of the mon squad a group of hot ladies who are also monsters who fight monsters i keep saying monsters they're they're, they're not really monsters. They're more just 
They're more supernatural, like supernatural or not. Well, they're zombie yeah. among them, like because they have they have an ogre and they have a cyclops, but then but they I also mean, have like, a... does supernatural include fantasy? I mean, we have yeah. a zombie, so yeah. The, it it it's weird. It's Monmu. It's just the problem is. It's... Like, cause like a lot of the, a lot of the places that this particular chapter to go to, it's not weird. It's just unpleasant. Like that's, that's sort of the line for me. Like that's mm -hmm. cause you know, I mean like it, it gets raunchy. The orcs are going to do unsavory things to a, to a female character. Like, no, that's not what you do, Monmu. Stay in mm -hmm. your lane. This is not, this is not funny or. Yeah. This is neither funny nor sexy. You've ruined the two things that you're good at. I don't think it's trying to be funny. I think it's trying to be like, ah, oh, this was just a setup for them because that character that is getting assaulted is revealed to be a secret agent who did this to get close to them. Like, and and yeah, and I'm I'm sitting there like I know they're gonna reverse this. There's no way that they're actually doing this level of awfulness. Like, and it's like, yeah, the characters getting transgressed on ultimately end up kicking the bad guy's ass. But it's like it was so unpleasant to get to that point. Like, I wish this chapter didn't exist. This was easily the low point of uh of the reading for me because like it's it shouldn't have tried this. Is is I think the important element. Well, I'm sure after all these years, they have learned from this mistake and will never do it again. Yeah. Or they made this a side series. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is honestly, I was thinking that the reason for this chapter was to introduce, uh, introduce waifu characters that aren't explicitly part of the harem, because uh, that's something that series like this will usually do. And this being a pitch for a different series does kind of make sense, but... You know, and then there's the other element of a part of me kind of wanted to check out the anime because of this, because I feel like this is the kind of thing that would have gotten would have gotten dropped. And it sort of makes me think maybe maybe the anime uh, over problems like this. But like, you know, I don't know. I'm going to be honest, depending on who did it, I could see the anime doubling down on this scene. Yeah. Yeah, that would definitely be a reason you, for me to not. <laughs> get. Well, because like Goblin Slayer got produced and that's. That's true. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah. That being uh, said, at least tonally Goblin Slayer is upfront with what kind of degeneracy it is. Like Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. This is very out of left field. It's it it's just such a whiplash after last after the previous chapter well, of Lol Funny Cuckfish. Also it skims over the one thing of like how insane this treaty they signed is. Mm -hmm. These people are holding up an office building. Or they're With holding guns. up a, a yeah yeah they 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 are threatening to shoot people like they and what we hear from the police if they even shoot people they can't do anything about it like that's mm. the thing and like and like that the point police have no power up to that point it's played as a joke and it's like but then it someone does get shot and the mood is immediately get uh, is immediately killed because they're not like funny manga shot they're shot shot and i don't care yeah, that that she's the zombie girl and gets up later that doesn't make like, what getting there any less unpleasant like the tone of this series you would have expected when they accidentally shot one of the hostages would have been all of them freaking out going like oh no this got way too real too quick and then the joke would be aha she wasn't actually hurt she was zombie girl but they play it up like yeah that's what the humans get from messing with us. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like she's really dead for the longest time. She 
is really dead. Well, yeah, the entire time. <laughs> Technically, and I mean, like to be to be fair, there actually there are two other places where the series there there are two other uh, places later in our reading that I want to compare to this moment. One case where it does it wrong again, and one place where it does it right. So I think, you know, we have the consensus that this was Monmu, stay in your lane and don't do stuff like this, please, because because it gets resolved by the by the pitch for another series team beating up the orcs and they get arrested. Yeah, because we got we got uh, doppelganger girl, zombie girl, ogre girl and cyclops. And mm-hmm. uh, can we just momentarily reference the cyclops is the one with the sniper rifle. Yes. Just, apparently like, her one apparently her one eye is really, really, really good. But no just depth perception. Have depth perception. <laughs> no depth perception. They even call this out. All of the individual girls in this are fun. It's just their introduction is very unpleasant. Yeah. So so uh, perhaps we should move on then, because yeah, uh, please. I, I do believe we've said our piece about that bit. The, the next bit is weird in the way it uh, in that sort of uncomfortable, funny, cringe way that Monmu is actually good at. Because Darling has a cold. <laughs> I love how I love how Smith bursts in <laughs> and almost immediately she just admits, yeah, I'm doing this to get out of paperwork. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? He's sick? Well, better quarantine him. Can't uh, run any risk that he hasn't caught some kind of uh, liminal disease that could just just destroy the human, uh, you know, biology. So we're going to lock him in a room and none of you can have any contact with him until he gets better. What? Uh, except gonna, for I'm the slime go- girl, because I, I really don't care. <laughs> she, well, she, she says something about her biology makes her like she's can't can, can like transmit or can't like um, contract whatever he has or something. The plot would... says this is a Sioux chapter, so she's immune to the imaginary disease that Darling Kun doesn't have. <laughs> it's really what it comes down to. Because there's 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 Agent Smith over there bumming coffee off of poor sick Darling Kun. <laughs> like I mean, I mean, one would think that Sue would be the worst person for this. She is literally all body fluids. She is a walking vector. According to the logic <laughs> of this the logic of this manga says that's just no. No, no, not correct. Her point. She is also one giant cool compress, so. Yes. <laughs> Actually kind of is how this plot resolves, as it turns out. Yeah. This, um, this entire thing is just a setup for sexy scenes with Sue, because mm-hmm. all the girls are not able to directly contact Arlen Kuhn, so they each tell Sue exactly how they would make him feel better, and because Sue is real good at Mimicking, she goes in and does exactly what they would do, but because she's made of gelatin, does it wrong? But right? But I. She, she also doesn't. She also does it wrong because all of the girls are are horny idiots that uh just that make don't it know weird. how to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The it's it's the rest of the girls who make it weird really fast. It's really funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because, uh, for example, Centauria, she's a weeb, so you have to check temperature by touching foreheads together, and then she gets bashful really fast. It's you, really she gets funny. bashful. She gets bashful pretending to do that with Sue shapeshifted in into looking like Darling, and so Sue perfectly mimics her right down to the uh, 
the bashful pulling away. Yeah, which saves his life because uh, touching foreheads, she's still liquid. He just slurps inside her and starts drowning. Uh, I should have phrased that differently. Um, Bonga sure didn't. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, and there there is also a bit of a funny through line where uh Darling Kun realizes very quickly what's going on and he starts guessing which of the which of the horny idiots talks to <laughs> this. <laughs> uh and then, I, really, and then, I really like this. I really like the one with uh, Meru because it's like, oh well, we mermaids have uh herbal baths that we use to uh that we soak in in order to cure illnesses. So here, just bring this uh bring this pool into the room and have him soak in that uh, herbal water. <laughs> okay, so how long do I need to stay in here? You should be all better after a week. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm in water this cold a week, I'll be dead. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we we, uh, we learned that Sue has had empath powers all along, I guess, and uh, uh, the, the, the punchline for the chapter is she expresses her love for Darling Kun in a fully complete sentence that was not mimicked from anybody. We also get um, my favorite Mer uh, Mia's cooking is uh, terrible joke. <laughs> this is a really good joke. It, it's it's just plain rice. It's just a plain thing of rice. And uh, Mary goes to taste some of it. And uh, she bites it, completely bland expression. And then the entire background becomes a, a scene out of The Little Mermaid where the sea witch gives the mermaid a potion to grow legs and describes how the process is agonizing. And you will know true hell. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's true to the original book. I mean, every step you take is feels like a bunch of knives going into your legs. It's yeah. pretty normal. And it's, and it's just Mara's perfectly bland expression the entire time. She drops to the floor, foaming. And then, and then uh, when Darling Kun opens the pot, uh, because uh, Mia's problem is she put every white food she could think of into the into the pot, apparently. And uh, uh -huh. when Darling Kun opens it, uh, wait, this is Mia's cooking, opens it, realizes the pot is empty. You ate it all, didn't you, Sue? She nods. Mm -hmm. Good girl. <laughs> <laughs> See, Sue's looking out for you. She knows what's up. She really do. Uh, Look, I'm just saying Sue is the safest option to wife. She's like, I don't even, I don't even understand people, but I do know that this is probably poisonous. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but yeah, of course, of course it was nothing but a cold and it passes quickly. And uh, hey, why is everyone breaking quarantine? Because I'm not sick anymore. Stop drinking my coffee and leave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do get a rather sweet scene, though, of uh, the reason he got sick was because Sue got stuck out in the rain and he had to go save her. And, well, she can't go into the rain or she'll dissolve. So he puts the umbrella over her and he got soaked. Yeah, this this is one of the uh, is another one of those ones where because um, like Sue hadn't really been amorous towards uh, Darling Kun up to this point, but like at that point she professes her love for him because uh, you know empathic link I guess she could always just do that. It does the work of at least justifying it as much as you would expect from a series like this, and I appreciate it when series do that. You know the characters aren't cardboard cutouts; they're not exactly. Uh, they're not exactly mm -hmm. award-winning, groundbreaking characters, but they at least uh, have something to them. And then our final punchline. It ended up that uh, Smith was the one who got sick. <laughs> she deserves it. She does. So have uh, 
Uh, you guys thought there's any like weird niche fetishes we haven't checked off yet? Because I think uh, this next chapter happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, this is one of the uh, chapters I mentioned before when we were talking about the one that we don't like. And this is actually the one I think that they did right. Because yeah. there's a key difference in this chapter relative to the other two times where they get, like, really, like, not fun, uncomfortable. There's a difference between this chapter and the other two. Because the manga itself very directly frames it that you're supposed to... Like, like you're supposed to, you're supposed to be on like unhappy with what's going on. It doesn't really do that with that chapter, but this one, you know, it's, it's from the start. It, it sets you up to be in the position of the girls who pretty much know this guy is a creep from the start. Well, the setup for this chapter is, uh, the harpy girl's about to lay an egg. And then the comedy beat that you know is going to happen happens. And then people having to once again affirm, like, you don't understand. Eggs can be fertilized and unfertilized. Because everyone yeah. freaks out, like, mm -hmm. yeah, chickens. That, it's unfertilized, <laughs> you horny idiots. Yeah. <laughs> Mia forgets that Pappy is an, an adult the same age as her. Uh, uh, again. Because I, I think Mia's just actively, constantly trying to bring that up to just cut her out of the running like yeah oh, yeah well, i yeah, can see mia doing that oh it's 100 percent trying to demean her i'm like no you just want to antagonize her for some reason just because she's not as endowed as you are she needs that body shape to fly because this but, series mean, is so logical like that yeah but i mean think about it this way she doesn't have a weakness about like cold water and whatnot and she can freaking <laughs> fly so i mean who wins here <laughs> but yeah well, anyway uh a creepy documentary crew comes up because uh, they have heard that a harpy is laying an egg and they want to get a video up for it. And I mean, I don't for, blame them, but it is very disgusting. For totally scientific reasons. Yeah, it's not <clears throat> completely 100% scientific. But again, I mean, if you had the opportunity, this is a harpy. Something that you previously didn't think existed. I'm just going to point out i have no problem with a documentary crew wanting a film of this i think agent smith should do her goddamn job and make <laughs> apparently these were just random people off the street who said yeah we're official don't worry about it i know that's uh -huh. like a, a trending theme is i think agent smith needs to do her goddamn job like yeah. that's just a mm -hmm. that's just a trend the weird creepy camera crew perves on all the other girls and uh as Jake alluded to, Darling and all the other girls are like, can we get rid of them, please? But they keep being accommodating to be polite. And if you could stop asking such weird questions, that would be great. There's a level of like the manga wants you to be as uncomfortable as the characters who are experiencing it. And that little difference, it makes it so much more readable. You're not just sitting through this unpleasantness. You know where this is going. They're going to get their asses kicked by the end, you know? And yep. and it makes it so much more palatable in that way. Yep. And the <laughs> the reason the, the the weird documentary director is um acing all of his persuasion checks by 
essentially on the fly making uh, stuff about I'm just really dedicated to science and un increasing the understanding between humans and liminals. Even if I have to incur your anger, it's worth it for the advancement of our uh, two cultures coming together. These are all totally legitimate reasons for why I'm doing this. So, uh, hey, uh, Mia, do you wear panties? Oh, is that your shed snakeskin? Can I have that? That's super expensive. Immediately resonate with her and her reaction to the shed snakeskin. I'm like, that's super weird. That is really gross. <laughs> I will say, though, I will say, though, as defensive of this chapter as I have been being, the one thing that did bug me was the fact that he kept Nat 20-ing all of his persuasion checks. That did stretch the suspension of disbelief, which I think oh. is the kind of the key here. I, I think I it's because he was just parading anger. against, like, he was a professional, and he was also older yeah. than all of them. So, I mean, like, I can totally believe they feel like, pressured to, like, comply. Yeah, like, because I, I could, I totally believed he was, like, fast-talking and was, like, constantly, like, no, yeah, I've got my camera crew here, we're just here to do a job. I mean, Agent Smith already signed off on us, so we've got her authority. She never apologizes for this either. She's a weird thing. But like, Another my, words, Agent my, Smith needs to be held accountable because yeah, she did sign my, up on this. My suspension of disbelief actually comes from how stupid Darling is in this chapter. Yeah, that's sort of what I mean. He's cool with it, but not, I don't even care how he interacts with the crew. I care that the fact he thought Pappy was going to do this while wearing underwear. Like, he was legitimately <laughs> like, what? We have to take him off? I'm like, I have to say I'm not surprised and this is only antidotal like evidence like sexual education in Japan is not that great. Yeah. He, he, it, <laughs> it could have even been a willful ignorance of not wanting to consider that part. Yes, but yeah. But yeah, no, I basically, right as it's about to cross a line into being too unpleasant, that's when you get the release of the tension phrasing, and <laughs> uh, Sue uses her empath powers to uh, speak the director's mind, at which point they get beaten the fuck up as they deserve, and it's it's very, uh, again, phrasing's very satisfying. because... Yeah, Darling throws the egg at him and the director's like, no, it can't smash and goes, and then he punches him in the face with the egg. And he's just like, you idiot, that was a chicken egg from the fridge. <laughs> and it, like they do even set up in the beginning uh, that he had just gotten eggs. Like yep. this, this, this chapter was fairly well uh, crafted for the kind of trashy romp nonsense that the series is. I, I appreciated it very much. I also appreciate that at the end, they're kind of talking to Pappy like, hey, what do you want to do with that egg? Well, it's unfertilized. That kind of was worth a lot of money. That sounds pretty cool. <laughs> like, <Pappy's laughs> she doesn't care. It's uh... You don't understand. Like, can I say this on the podcast? Like, essentially, it's like normal menses, period. She's like, I don't freaking care. I'm just going to think it's kind of weird, but whatever. <laughs> They, they never do quite explain what they ultimately do with that egg, uh, which yes, is probably for the best. No, yeah, no, it's implied that uh, Mia hard-boiled hard it. it. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, it, it's framed in such a way that uh, if you, uh, yeah, I, it's, that, that was my read of it, but it's framed in such a way that you can uh, ignore that if you so choose, but it's 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 a good comedy beat to end on because the other thing is mia mentioned or not mia uh uh poppy mentions oh i put it in the fridge next to the regular eggs and somebody's <laughs> like mia I mean, that, that, god why do i keep saying mia poppy someone's gonna hard boil it and there's mia over the over the pot already on it 
<laughs> I mean, I can I, boil an egg. <laughs> Got to prove her cooking skills somehow. Yeah. Again, tying into I feel bad for Mia, but also she just grates me in so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> she's trying to prove herself, like, honestly, guys. And she's honestly, like, I understand how she feels threatened. She's like, it's just supposed to be darling Coon and me. <laughs> and you guys keep on just coming. And I'm just like, uh Wow, Sam. <laughs> That's inappropriate. He beat me to it, so uh, I can't really judge. Yeah. Hey, it's not a race. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> we uh, uh, we cut to a uh, skis ball director in a uh, much cobwebbed apartment uh, spinning something on a spool. Gee, I wonder what this could be. Uh, hello, spider lady. We have time for one more girl for the harem. I, I actually like Ranchera. She's a fun character. The characters uh, are, are not the problem. There are cases where Monmu will delve into subject matter that it has no business dealing with is my least favorite part of it. And if you try to apply logic to this series, you will go cross-eyed very quickly. You say that, but Ranchera is like a black market biological parts dealer who has no qualms with <laughs> murder like she yeah. is very atypical <laughs> for the series at this point that yeah. is true she was, she was allowing the director to spin her uh arachne spider silk for money and was then very willing to and then as soon as she heard about a potential better marcus uh director is grumbling about the situation that just happened to him she's like "Ooh, a much more interesting human well i'm sick of you anyway you're a real asshole spins him in the spider web Leaving him to die. Yep. If he didn't which... have a cell phone to call the authorities, which fortunately means that he got arrested, but... Monmu and its logic leaps. For some reason, she kidnapped Starling Kun. I, I don't mm -hmm. quite understand what the intentions here are, but it's she's a thing got... that happens. She's got she... hang-ups about yeah. being racist at by some humans. And so she thinks yeah, that... She, she, she thinks that Darling is... She heard that he genuinely gave up the money of an egg to like protect like a liminal and she's like well clearly he's faking it because humans are bad i so that's why she's kidnapping him to prove okay. her point you know here, here's another bit where like as much as they've had the america boo uh cartoon racist characters they actually did a good job of handling a way more realistic kind of prejudice story of uh there, there's something so organic about, you know, like, here's this family who's going to take in, you know, someone who is different and strange to them, and then they can't handle it, and it's awful for everybody. Like, that, that's so much more real than the America Boo cartoon characters. Uh, mm -hmm. Not that we've seen the last of them. We'll get to that. I like the idea that that apparently these housing assignments were given out completely at random. Like, you wouldn't even know what size of creature to be expecting. <laughs> yeah. Ragnar is the size of a car and also a spider. Like, uh-huh. So, like... I mean, I appreciate it. You need to account legs. for the verticality. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> she is attractive, but also... Ugh. I mean, Sam, 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 you're on air. Sam, you control yeah. yourself. You all play D&D hey, with hey, me. Hey. You, you know how I line. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, spiders all over the world. Spiders everywhere. <laughs> uh, 
as as unrealistic as this series is because it doesn't care but you know this it's it's a good character moment for uh Rachnera. it really does a good job of characterizing and it's like it, it's a very like organic and realistic way of uh you know like introducing that idea of like more more realistic tension not of the caricature of racism but an actual moment of genuine prejudice uh from you know someone who probably didn't think they'd have that reaction almost surely not unless smith is that bad at her job but again i want to compliment the series so i'm gonna assume i'm gonna it that's legitimately possible but i'm gonna for the sake of the story assume that that's not the case well you see what happened was um smith's kind of dyslexic so she was looking through her notes and she She's just like, oh, yeah, these people are arachnophiliacs, right? And they'll, they'll be perfect. <laughs> oh, no, arachnophobics. Whoops. Whoops, Daisy. I hate to say it, but that is, that is depressingly plausible. Ugh. But anyway, yeah. um, Darling tries to uh, wholesome main character his way out of this, but he's just like, no, I'm sure you're good on the inside. It's a shame those people didn't really appreciate you for who you are. And she's like, you humans are all the same. You would never find a creature like me pretty. And he's just like, actually, I've got a thing for legs. And you got eight of them, girl. (laughs) You only like the human part of me. Actually, those legs are kind of sexy. And (laughs) she she just starts laughing. Oh my God, you pervert. And like, like with that tone of voice. It's a legendary <laughs> battle. Just the uh, leg legs. Rancher <laughs> <laughs> is great. <laughs> she's she's hilarious. And uh, right as they're starting to actually like bond over this this shenaniganery, the cops show up, and uh, you know she's getting all gloomy again, thinking that he sold her out. And well, uh, this is what I get for thinking I can trust humans again. Meanwhile, Darling's freaking out because he thinks he's in trouble for punching the director in the face. <laughs> so he goes to turn. He goes to turn himself in for non-comedy reasons. Actually, a panel I just really enjoyed was. Um, uh, he's saying that he's about to go turn himself in, and Ranchero says, don't you think they're talking about me? Huh? No. Why? Just completely did not even consider it. <laughs> Reflexive. What? No. <laughs> oh, he's actually, like, not putting on airs. He actually He's is, just dumb. <laughs> he's just dumb and kind of trying to help me. Oh, my God, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah, she does have a very uh, that's-so-cute kind of affection towards him. Um... Look, Rachnera is is a bad girl, and she is ready to play that role in this harem. (laughs) She is extremely ready to play that role in this harem. And of course, at the end, Smith is like, okay, I guess you're going to take care of her now. And (laughs) final panel, (laughs) Sarah, Via, and Meru all like, I sense the appearance of another rival. I think this is actually the point when uh, when Mero overtly says, look, I'm shooting for seconds specifically. I'm not okay with this either. <laughs> They're all uh, truly defeated now because uh, he now has the leg man's ultimate goal right there available. Yeah, this uh, sort of uh, dovetails into uh, a Centauria chapter where, you know, because she's all, you know, proper and stuff, disappointed in herself for you know judging Ragnar on her appearance which she knows she's doing and she hates herself for but she also just genuinely doesn't like her and apropos of nothing 
Um, she also just finds her very grating. <laughs> <laughs> Which Ragnar has a lot of personality. That's fair. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'd like to say that Ragnara is uh, more forward than the other characters and just tries to jump Darlington's bones, but let's be honest, this is no, no different from any of the other ones. So uh... She attacks him on the toilet. <laughs> he goes to take a poop, and she just drops down from the ceiling and webs him up. She's very good at the webbing up thing. Get him when he's thing. most vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. She's very good at the webbing up thing. Mia tries to attack her at one point, and uh, immediate next panel <laughs> just webbed up on the ground. Also, the way she webs people up is bondage knots, in case you were in any doubt there. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's really into bondage. Show of hands, who's surprised? Nobody? All right. Th- this bit goes on for a while until uh, Centauria basically breaks down and just blasts through a wall carrying Darlingkun away. <laughs> This is where we get into the, like, Centauria mentions out loud the stuff of, like, I know I'm judging her on her appearance, and that's really bad, and I, I feel awful about it. Like how the moral of this chapter is kind of weird, too, because it's Ragnarok uh-huh. going, like, no, you're right. You should not like me for how I look and what I do, because I'm a bad person. That's well, fine. That, well, that that's actually the thing, though, because the beginning of this chapter I like the end of this chapter I like, because Ragnar actually is more subtle about it. The reason why she is like, yes, I will accept your penance, uh, because the part where Centauria was judging her on her appearance was legitimately unfounded. Centauria just doesn't like her personally. They're not friends. And that's what she was saying it's okay for. And I really like the the subtlety of that, and also the the end gag I, I enjoyed for reasons. Um... <laughs> <laughs> then there's the uh the the conflict section of this chapter where here's the other part where Monmu does it wrong. Monmu, please stop doing actual like crimes and things cuz that scene was very very uncomfortable to sit through as cool as Ragnara uh showing up and literally scaring the lights out of the America booze. Like, like her, her moment was cool. Uh, what was happening immediately before made me very, I'm not enjoying this uncomfortable. I'm just wondering why these two Americana boos are just constantly going around doing racist crimes. Like this yeah. must be their entire week. It's just yeah. them. <laughs> I know it's the same two people and it's just like, is this your day job? Like what else do you Man. do? Considering yep. the negotiations of this treaty with Japan, it sure is weird. The only two racists who are upset about it don't have a day job. I completely see how this works. They have nothing else to do because no one else will hire them. I can't imagine why. <laughs> you know what? Fair assessment. Okay. Here's the thing. I don't think any of the liminals have work visas. There's the next chapter, which is weird. But like, we never see one working is the thing and they always have to be with their host family so i don't think they've gotten to that point yet yeah well i mean there is kobold girl in the night in uh the last chapter we read don't know what's up with that i think that's more so that they're making a that one's weird i don't mm-hmm. i don't know they're they're setting up a bit look people who have views like that and are and are that quick to express them in that way tend not to do well with employers. Just saying. <laughs> I, I agree with Jace's assessment in this case. 
But yeah, I think again, it's one of those ones. It's sort of like the uh, the the bit with uh, Poppy's egg, where it's like there was actually some effort put into this because it is it's okay that you don't like me personally. You don't have to be friends with everybody. You know, I I, I appreciated that because that was that was really well done. I just kind of wish that the middle of the chapter wasn't the way it was. But uh, the final chapter that we read for our uh, adventures, such as they are is despite the fact that all of these accommodations have been made to Darling's home in order to uh, accommodate the girls, uh, it's still not large enough for them to actually do, like, exercise things, and they can't, like, go outside to do that because of this stupid <laughs> treaty. So they all have to go to the experimental liminal gym. But not all of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, Only the ones that put a little extra weight, which, uh... <laughs> Happy and Sue and uh, Arachnara didn't. Uh-huh. So it's uh, Mia and Meru and uh, Centuria that have to go. <laughs> and they go to uh, Sports Club Kobold. It's not the D&D Kobold. It's the, like, traditional Germanic Kobold, as in, like, like Dog. old folkloric. Yeah, it's, uh, that was, well, uh, is that it was bad that the first thing I thought about when this when we were reading this chapter was I thought about Sam and his obsession with kobolds. Yeah. Well, hey. so the, the <laughs> reason for that actually is um, uh, Japanese culture uh, got their kobolds not from like um, D&D and like that whole old school where it was more lizard based. Uh, they got it more from, uh, oh, what's the name of the game? It's uh, from the video game, I want to say Wizard, which is like a kind oh, of yeah. different thing. Oh, those had the like Germanic doc because that was more like a European um, fantasy video game. And that's why when you see kobolds in um, Japan, they're always the dog people. I guess it tracks because they have a pretty strong like, I don't want to say German presence, but like they still very much like several of their loan words are actually very German. And it was really interesting, mm. like how it German culture took has us, permeated um, Japan. It's ridiculous. It's also because uh, tabletop gaming isn't as big there, but uh, video games were huge. So mm -hmm. the uh, the old Windows games of like Wizard, that role playing game, that's like one of the first ones, I think. And in that, that has the dog like kobolds. And now whenever you see like generic fantasy kobolds in um, like your isekais, they're always dogs. It's really mm -hmm. interesting what kind of permeated the Japanese consciousness. Well, and yeah. to some extent, it's also kind of interesting because uh, that's neither neither the dog-esque kobolds nor the lizard-esque kobolds are quite exactly like the original Germanic folklore, but the, the dog-esque ones are actually a little bit closer. So it's sort of interesting just how sometimes culture permeates in weird ways. Well, it's because in uh, kobolds have always been servants of dragons in D&D. They've yeah. just gotten more and more draconic. Over, over, time, over time, yeah. Because of that association, yeah. The the exchange of culture is fascinating, and that's why we need this idiotic treaty that makes no sense, I guess, or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, this treaty was signed in such a way I wouldn't be, uh, like, if there was just a bunch of giants waiting outside of Japan with giant clubs going like, hey, sign the treaty, do it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I'm joking. I'm joking, but that's actually what happened with Mythic... Uh, with MacArthur, so uh, not that unusual. <laughs> Wait, no. Guys, how do we deal with this? I don't know. We haven't finished the Mechas yet. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, uh, back but, on the current chapter. Uh, yeah, they go to the they go to the gym that is supposed to cater to liminals of of all body types. Uh, they try to use the treadmills, except uh, they are not sized properly for the centaur and uh, are not. Uh, Lamias <laughs> don't have legs. The and mermaids can't even walk, much less run. <laughs> yep. Uh, they do have a pool, fortunately, and that's what we immediately go to because, of course, we do swimsuits. <laughs> uh, we get to the pool, and uh, everyone's having a good time. We need to Can have some sort of... briefly about the fact that uh, Sarah has to wear a swimsuit, and she establishes it just for aesthetics, like... <laughs> basically. Her horse body needs to be completely covered with a bottom, and she's just like... Well, Technically, it doesn't just the back half of the horse, but can you imagine what that would look like? And they're like, ooh, scandalous. And I'm like, I guess. Uh. She has a tail, but she has a tail. Like, what? Yeah, she, she doesn't. She doesn't need a bottom, but whatever. I'm uh-huh. just saying, like, this raises more questions now that you bring it up. I'm like, are people sexualizing horses? Like, is that the thing? Look, yes. we it's a really weird species. species. I, I, don't, I don't need to ask this. I know they already are. Um, <laughs> I rescind my question. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking out loud and I regret it. <laughs> Look, the important thing is we all get in the pool and uh, everyone's having a good time swimming around. Marrow and Mia get into a competition that uh, Centauria gets begrudgingly dragged into. Mm-hmm. No, Centuria doesn't get begrudgingly dragged into it. She wants to be a part of this competition. The other two are just ignoring her. <laughs> well, that yeah, no, that's the best part because like, because like she's she's being very, uh, uh, do I have to do this? And it's like, no, they're ignoring you. You could just choose not to, but she participates anyway. <laughs> like, just say it out loud, Centuria. <laughs> Uh, the kobold uh, girl decides to be the announcer for this event, and uh, she has a little label that says announcer, and next to her is Sedang Darlingkun, labeled as the prize. Because, because, <laughs> because whoever uh, whoever wins gets to do whatever they want to Darling. What a, uh, and Sarah says, I demand to race as well! Why must I shoo myself in? <laughs> because horse puns. The race does entirely focus on uh, Meru and Mia. Uh, M&M, you might even, <laughs> uh, if you will. I will not. <laughs> and it's actually a uh, fairly tense and enjoyable uh, like little action scene. They have a back and forth. Mm-hmm. Like, Meru is, of course, naturally a great swimmer being a mermaid, but you forget that Mia is, like, seven meters long, so she is able to just spring off of the wall and cover a vast amount of distance just by stretching out. Uh, unfortunately, uh, she loses it all by belly flopping <laughs> and being <laughs> stunned for several seconds. So uh, Meru is faster into the first turn, but uh, then... Uh, Mia can just uh, swim backwards. She doesn't need to turn. Yeah, and, and because she's she is very, very long, uh, she doesn't have to swim as far to get uh, from one end to the other because it's, uh, it's uh, two laps. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's getting to the tense conclusion of the race. And then all of a sudden, Mia realizes, oh, no, even though it's a heated pool, it's still too cold for me. Uh, <laughs> and she starts sinking. And it's like, all right, it looks like Mayor is going to win. <laughs> and Mayor's like, oh, wait a minute, this is chlorinated water. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and she also starts sinking. <laughs> but they... you know, that was actually something i thought when they got in the water it's like this has to be chlorinated it's like 
Meru has gills. Like she's amphibious, <laughs> yeah. but that was one of the things that, like, I, I the one of the concerns I had initially, but of was eventually justified, obviously. But it's <laughs> like, how is this working? She's literally ingesting chemicals. There does seem to be a bit of a through line with Meru, where uh, it's like wait, do you realize the implications of that? And then the manga will proceed to say, yes, I do know the implications of that. I'm glad you noticed. <laughs> and Darling's like, okay, you two are both killing yourselves. I'm calling this off now. But but how will we decide who won? Oh, Sarah won like five minutes ago. <laughs> She's standing <laughs> outside go. of the pool looking disapprovingly at her stupidity. <laughs> And then the uh, the other thing that uh, ends up happening is that she gets the prize and uh, she wants the lewdest thing of all. We haven't mentioned this, but one of the important character traits of her is uh, she's the lewdest of all because her thing is hand-holding. Uh-huh. Ooh, that's super lewd. Is hand-holding with any random dude? <laughs> no, it's hand-holding with no. the master. That's kinky. I'm adding that to my list. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they're walking home holding hands and, and Sarah is she's, she's blue screening <laughs> I love it. I'm gonna be honest not as lewd as Call of the Night made hand holding you are right that's very, that's very true Call of the Night is just a different level uh, and uh, we end on uh, my actual favorite joke of this chapter which uh, it starts off with alright so uh Ranchero, you're going to be fine taking care of uh, Papi and Sue, right? And it's like, oh, yes, I can't wait to see what games I'll play with them. And then last thing, uh, they are uh, both being rambunctious. And she's like, I'm so tired. Please come home. <laughs> Save me. If they wanted to burn calories, they could have tried keeping up with these two. Uh, but uh, this brings us at long last to the end of our reading. And so we must ask the uh, <clears throat> seminal question, uh, favorite character? Despite the fact that she showed up right at the end and hasn't had a lot of screen time, I really do like Ranchera. <laughs> she's she's a Good lot choice. of fun. She, she She's just so much fun. And uh, her, uh, like, actual plot elements are um, a bit more engaging than the other girls. So... Uh, yeah, uh, I think she might be my uh, she's my favorite character, other than Smith, of course. Smith is great. <laughs> she's just yeah, chaos. What we're calling it now, Sam. Plot elements. Elements. Yes. Yes. Okay. Oh. So, Matt, favorite character. Uh, I mean, if we're going by plot elements, um, Pappy is pretty great. Got them talons. Um, she's fun. She goes around doing uh -huh. cool things. Honestly. Honestly, yeah, Pappy. Pappy is fun. She doesn't have the, like, mean, like, competitive streak that a lot of the other ones have where they're constantly infighting. Mm -hmm. um, and then also uh, Maro, I really like, because uh, she knows what she wants, and that's second place, and she is, you know, frankly, more likely to get second place than anything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fun. Uh, Jay, favorite character? I, I feel like I've already said this, but Rashnera, for obvious reasons. I can't, I can't really explain why, but there's just something about Arachna that I just, just love. And I also love her, obviously, her personality as well. Like, she seems to be... Yeah, and her very plot vicious. elements. <laughs> yes, the plot, the plot elements, yes. Plot, plot, plot. 
Um, <laughs> love her. But I also have to say that I love um, Meru too, as well. Um, just because she, and I think the commonality here is they fully aware, they're fully aware of their position in this entire like dialogue. And they're fully accepting of it and fully transparent. Whereas the others, I feel like a lot of the friction comes from the fact that they don't realize what's going on. Well, I mean... At least they perform not to understand. Yeah, Yeah. but I I mean, the fact is that these two completely go into it like, yeah, I know this is a harem anime. Yeah, I'm Mm going to get get what I can out of this. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that is is a big appeal of Ragnara that she's like, yeah, I know what this is. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) And Jacob, favorite character. I kind of have a bit of a sort of like two-layer answer because on the whole, I would say Mia. Uh, but the thing is, I really love doubling down Mia and she wasn't really that character until it wasn't even when the the harem started expanding. It was actually uh, further in than that. It was about, it was like halfway through Sue's introduction plot when they really started utilizing her character really well. And I really liked that version of Mia, that was the thing that made me laugh by far the most. Carolyn Kuhn is actually a fairly well-written character for the kind of character he is. Uh, not groundbreaking, but like honestly in some ways more memorable than a lot of protagonists of this kind of story. Uh, but for the times when, you know, Mia isn't, you know, it's not even that she's, she's characterized differently, it's that the story is using her in a different way. The times outside of that, Centoria is... Uh, a fun character. I like her gimmick, and uh, Mero and Ragnara are also, of course, really funny. So, how can you not love them? But I would say, I would say either Mia or Centoria, depending on what point of the story you're talking about. All right. And uh, the most important question in any harem series is uh, best girl. This is hard. This is a hard choice. Um, yeah. And by hard, I mean not hard at all. Um, so... <laughs> Centoria, obviously. <laughs> Ooh, solid choice very solid uh i'm gonna go with mia <laughs> for reasons for reasons i see <laughs> i see yes uh close follow-up is Meru. so what you're saying is she's your second place you know it <laughs> wait yeah Mero can't be best girl by definition because she doesn't want to be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's the power. She knows what's up. <laughs> um, so best girl. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to take uh, long odds on this one. Uh, Sue. I, I think Sue's got something the other girls don't, and that's initiative and the ability to go against the law. Yep. <laughs> yep. Powerful yeah, choice. A- that's a good choice, yeah. And Jacob. Gosh, I for for completely different reasons, uh, either uh, Ragnara because she really seems to she seems like one of the more mature and intelligent of the group, and uh, kind of like her for that because a lot of these a lot of these folks are kind of dumb, and that can that has caused problems as we've seen. Uh, but uh, Centoria, I also like a lot. Uh, I, I think the whole, the hand-holding and the closet weeb stuff is really adorable. Uh, and then also, Mero, second place, obviously. Uh, how, how can you not? That is the 
only correct answer. <laughs> and uh, would you continue reading? As I, I don't know. Honestly, the high points were great and a lot of fun. And if I could get like a curated selection of those chapters, I don't think I'd be missing too much. I'm just going to have to give a generalized no, but like if, if somebody had like a list of the greatest hit chapters, sure. <laughs> That's my wishy-washy answer. <laughs> yeah, I kind of have to second that just because like you and I both said, it's kind of hentai with extra steps. I mean, I feel mm -hmm. like I either need to know what is front and center or something that would draw me into this, like focus my attention. Otherwise, probably not. Um, I, I will say getting ahead. I like, I enjoyed this, but would I, you know, on my own continue reading this just out of like interest of the direction of the plot or the characters? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Uh, what about you, Matt? Uh, speaking as someone who has, I believe up until volume 12 shrink wrapped in his closet somewhere. Holy hell! <laughs> Pretty definitive answer there. Um. If, if I had to choose between this and, and uh, 100 Girlfriends to read more of, because they're basically the same kind of genre, this is weird, but it doesn't hit the, like, levels of insanity that make me want to come back that 100 Girlfriends had, where I'm like, I gotta, I gotta see where this train wreck goes. Like, here, I'm just like, I'm pretty sure I know where this train wreck goes. Cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Jacob. Uh, hard no. Uh, it crossed a line for me a couple of times. I probably wouldn't have finished reading if it wasn't uh, the uh, the designated reading section. I will say, though, I am interested in the uh, watching the anime because I'm curious. Because, like, you know, as Matt mentioned, maybe they double down. I really hope they don't. But I feel like there is... There is a good story here, uh, you know, because again, I I really really loved Mia when when you know she was doubling down and 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 you know wacky bad things were happening to her and everyone was wondering why she's so stupid. Like that that was just hilarious to me. And there's just enough effort in this for me to see, you know, this could actually make something of itself, you know. But it, it's not going there, and it goes and play. Like I don't want to I don't want to deal with the landmines. Is really what it comes down to. So uh -huh. basically, I'm interested in checking out the anime. As soon as I find a landmine there, then never again, Mon Mu for me. <laughs> uh, I fair. I I will say I wouldn't be terribly disappointed if we had another goofy episode like this one. But I feel like there are other better series that we could put in place of this, like 100 Girls Girlfriends, for example. There are other series that could go better here, so... Mm. It's not like this genre isn't a dime a dozen, that we could also find yeah. something else with a di different weird premise. Like, yeah, with a uh -huh. different gimmick that hopefully I mean, has less landmines. We also have to think about, like, for the time, like, how prevalent was this genre? I feel like it was pretty prevalent even then. Yeah. But I don't know. You know? Yeah, because there have been other Monster Girl series since then. In other words, we know you perverts are out there. <laughs> There's yes. a market for it. Yeah, no, yes. so, so, <laughs> God damn it, Sam. Um, <laughs> Look, I didn't get in half as many of those jokes as I expected myself to, so. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, so uh, almost entirely on the back of there's probably other things that we could be doing in this slot instead. Mm, yeah, probably not. Uh, yes, thank you everyone once again for listening to the Over Manga Cast. 
we're uh, so sorry for all of that. <laughs> and never apologize for anything. <laughs> uh, remember to follow us on all your social medias where we are at OverMangaCast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, check out our website, OverMangaCast.com. We also have episodes up on YouTube uh, where you can do all the regular YouTube stuff of like commenting and subscribing. Mm. And as always, Ways we appreciate reviews in any and all form, uh, iTunes, Spotify, uh, sending us an email uh, over mangacast at gmail.com. Love hearing any feedback about uh, what you liked about episodes or, you know, series you'd like us to read or maybe even revisit in the future as we're going into a little bit of a revisit spell with uh, Sam. What are we uh, returning back to first? We're heading back into the world of Blue Period, reading chapters 13 through 25. So if you're keeping up with the show, read that for next week, and we'll see you all on Thursday. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. Okay, so we got to get all these monster girls back over the border, or else they're going to really, really crack down on us. This isn't going well. Yeah, I'll get the truck. Oh, we're recording. Yeah, cut the audio. Cut the audio. Ah! <laughs>